Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. Well, my name is Keith, and I am so glad you chose to come out to Blaze Church this morning. And uh, right after this, I'm heading right to my next job at Target, so I'm already dressed for the equation, occasion. Uh, um, and also, I had some people asking, like, Pastor Keith, did you get sunburn or something? I was like, nah, man, that's the red shirt reflecting on my white face. I'm okay. Um, but it's just been a great summer. I'm so glad you chose to join us on this beautiful, sunny summer morning uh, as we wrap up our series called Living the dream. So for the past few weeks, we have been looking at the life of a man named Joseph, whose story we read about in the first book of the Bible, Genesis. And by looking at his life and story, we've been discovering qualities that we need if we are to live the dream. And in week one, we learned about contentment and how important it is for us to be not always looking at the grass that's greener on the other side, but rather just being content with Jesus as our shepherd. In the second week, we talked about character and how when we live the dream, there will be moments of testing and temptation. It's godly character that God gives us so that we may live for him. And then the third thing we talked about last week was Joseph as he navigated economic crisis in Egypt. And we learned about common sense. We talked about God's financial principles for our lives. And today we're gonna to talk about a fourth word, that we need if we are to live the dream. Now, this is a word that I have personally needed to be shown to me many, many times in my relationship with my wife, Amy. This Tuesday, we're celebrating our 14-year wedding anniversary. So yeah, there's a picture of us 14 years ago. And um, we were just, if you're like, Pesky, you look like you're 20, because I was, okay? Um, and, and just grateful. But over our 14 years of marriage, I got to tell you, I have needed this word, compassion. I've needed compassion a whole lot for my wife, um, more than I'm deserving of. And don't make me feel like I'm the only one. How many of you have needed compassion before from somebody, whether it's your spouse, your friend, your, your boss, coworkers, right? There are many times in life where we are in need of compassion. So let's start here with what the word means. Compassion is a feeling of, of deep or deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. So that's, that's a pretty weighty definition of this word compassion. I'll give you the, the KIV, the Keith and Davino version of this. It's simply, I see you and I'm here for you. Like compassion is seeing the need that someone has. It's being stricken by that. And then it's also a desire to alleviate it, to say, I'm here for you in your hurting. And I've needed that compassion and hopefully you've needed compassion and you've expressed compassion. Now, here's what I wanna talk about today. Sometimes it's cute when we can show compassion to each other because we're in love and, and everything's good and we're, we're jiving, we got, we got a good relationship. But how many know it's way different to show someone compassion when they are the reason for your sorrow <laughs> and they were the ones who stricken you in the first place? And now you're, you're saying, but I, I don't, I'm not going to show you compassion. You caused this pain in my life. 
you caused this hurt in my life. You are the one who caused me pain. So today we're gonna talk about that because I gotta think in this room and in our church and those joining online and really any person in this world, we all know what it's like to experience hurt and pain and betrayal and abuse and neglect and all the evil that is present in this world. And there are times where that comes from someone dear to us who we never thought would do it. And they hurt us. And now they're on the other side and we have a moment to show them compassion. And it's so hard. <laughs> it's easy to show you compassion when we're going in a good direction, but it's real hard when you are the one who hurt me. So I wanna start here this morning. I, I will in no way be insensitive or unsympathetic to the stories present in this room. So I don't know your story. I don't know the pains that you have from the past. I don't know where there has been trauma and abuse and, and hurt. And this message is not to diminish any of that. So please lean in because I, I know some stories and there's a lot of pain represented in just this room. So don't, don't think that, well, the Christian answer is just God is good all the time and all the time God is good, get over it. That's not... That's not Christianity. That's not following Jesus. Today, what I wanna invite you into is a process to be able to show compassion. Imagine this, to show compassion even to the one who has hurt you the most. And here's what I know. The way you continue to live towards that person, that's not life-giving. It's not what God would have for you. It's not words we would use, peace or joy or loving or kindness, but Someone say, thank you, God, there is another way. <laughs> I mean, there, there, there is another op option for us. Many of us, we look like this. Everybody make a fist for a second, real tight. And I want you to hold it real tight. Like dig, dig those fingers up into the palm of your hand. Come, make that fist a few seconds. And now very slowly, I want you to just release your fingers very slowly. Isn't that weird how that feels? It's like, they don't really wanna go. It feels a little robotic. Okay, that's called a process. It's a process to get open-handed. Today, I'm not gonna think that in 30 minutes, God's word, and God can do anything he wants. He's just that miraculous. But for many of us, today is going to be the start of a process to open up our hands, trust the Lord with the hurt that we have, and wait till we get to a place where we can extend compassion. Okay, so we're gonna talk about a man named Joseph and not gonna do full recap, but just to bring you in at 17 years of age, Joseph had a dream and he believed that one day he would rule over his family. Now, how many know if you're one of the family members, you don't like that dream very much and they didn't like that very much and they hated him for it. And his 10 older brothers were so upset with him that they sold him as a slave and Joseph ends up being trafficked and lands in Egypt where he's falsely accused thrown into prison. And last week we saw Joseph brought out of the prison, brought into the palace and is set in charge of all of Egypt to help them navigate seven years of good crops followed by seven years of famine. And at that point we stopped last week was when the verse said, and all the world came to Egypt and to Joseph for grain. And how many know all the world is going to include his family? <laughs> This is drama. This is where like the scene would end and you got to wait for the next episode. Remember waiting for episodes? Remember commercials? That was some other life. Now, I actually enjoyed it because that's when I would run and get me some ice cream and some crushed up pretzels and try and make it back in time. Then TiVo came out. Now here we are. But it is, this is like, this is dramatic. All the world's coming to Egypt. 
And that includes Joseph's brothers. And so what did Joseph's brothers do? Well, they saddle up their horses as they got a trail to blaze. A little Stephen Curtis Chapman reference for some of you. They go on the great adventure. That's number two. And they make their way there and they get in front of Joseph. They get in front of Joseph and look at what the text says. Joseph recognized his brothers instantly. Of course, they're here. But he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where are you from? He demanded. From the land of Canaan, they replied. We have come to buy food. Look at verse eight. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Joseph's all Egyptian now. He's got eyeliner on and a serpent hat and he's walking like an Egyptian and no one can recognize him and his brothers are there and they're kneeling down and Joseph knows, I know you guys, but they have no idea that their brother, last they saw, was sold as a slave, is now standing in front of them more than 15 years ago. And here they are. And then the text says, and he remembered the dreams he'd had about them many years before. Now, can we, for a moment, find ourselves in the story, the emotions that must be present in that room? When the 10 people who hated you, who sold you, come walking in, who caused you all that pain, and here they are, and here you are. Joseph, in this moment, has the power to do away with all of them. He's in charge. Alice in Wonderland, off with their head. It's just that simple. Just get rid, take him out. Revenge. And I will say this, this is just my opinion here, not the text. I think he would have been justified to do so. And I say that as a person who's been hurt before. I mean, they hurt me. Here I am. They should get what they deserve. And I have the power to do it. No one will think differently of me. Joseph has all authority and all right, we might call it, to get even. And they walk in. So let's make it real for a moment. The person that hurt you, that lied to you, that caused the abuse, the neglect, the betrayal, they walk in right now to Blaze Church. And you go, uh-uh, not my church. <laughs> not here, not now. <laughs> get out. Come on, that's some real tension. Some of you, you've never invited that person to church. God forbid they would come to church. So that's a past life. Wow. Because the hurt's so real. Not gonna diminish your hurt. You're on a process, trying to work through it. Joseph was on a process and they walked in. And here he is. So what happens next? You have to read about on your own this week. This is your homework. Everybody write it down because I got 19 minutes and 39 seconds left and we're not gonna spend it reading three chapters this morning. So I want you to read Genesis 42, 43, 44, and 45. Some of you haven't read the Bible yet because you don't know where to start. There you go, start in Genesis chapter 42. Why? Because it is real emotion unfolding in real time. It is the pain caused by family and Joseph being a man of God, honoring them and working through the hurt and the pain. And I believe as you read it, God's gonna do healing in your heart this week. So let's go to the end. Joseph has fun with them a little bit. He hides his cup in one of their sacks of grain. He holds one of the brothers hostage till the other brother comes. It's crazy. You should read it. 
And then we get to verse three of chapter 45. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Rightfully so. Like this is the big reveal. And now he goes, I'm Joe. Is dad still alive? What? They're terrified because they know, like you and I know, they're deserving of death. They deserve to die for what they have done. Isn't it beautiful how gospel is in every page of scripture? Can we not find ourselves here that we are deserving of the wrath, the judgment of God for what we've done? And Joseph sits in a seat of power and they say, this is what we deserve. And Joseph extends compassion, mercy, getting what they don't deserve, grace, all of this. But they're terrified. And what's so cool is they have a little family reunion. The brothers get the dad. They all come back. They're hugging it out. They're weeping. He's forgiving. He moves the family into Egypt. Isaac, the, uh, Israel rather, the, the father blesses all the kids, sets them up, and everything's great and everything worked out. So let's end there. You're gonna be fine. Let's close in prayer. Anybody believe that? <laughs> Probably not. Because everything was fine until dad died. Have you noticed sometimes things are okay until there's like a tragedy or a milestone moment and all of a sudden the whole family gets shaken up? Yeah. And we're all right and we showed up to Thanksgiving. We just didn't talk about certain things. But now that that person's not here, it's brought up feelings in us. And dad dies and look at what the brothers say. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph, say these words with me, holds a grudge. What if he holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? In other words, the brothers have a mindset that is Joe's only been nice to us because the patriarch's been around because he wouldn't want to cause any family drama while dad's still alive. But now that dad is gone, our protection is gone. What if Joseph is holding a grudge? That phrase, holding a grudge, is when you harbor anger, bitterness, resentment, or other negative feelings long after someone has done something to hurt you. Holding a grudge. Notice, holding a grudge has to do with an amount of time. The pain has been years ago, but it feels like yesterday. Do you know what makes it feel like yesterday? Holding a grudge. That's what makes it so close. We haven't let it go. I feel like we should all just bust out to some Frozen right now. Can we let it go, let it go? We, we just, we hold on to it. We, we, hold, we hold it. And the brothers are concerned. Wait, 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 you can't forgive that easy. You can't show us compassion. After what we did, there's no way. Dad was the glue, but the glue is gone. He's holding a grudge. And they're worried. So, verse 16, so they sent word to Joseph saying... Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. 
And when their message came to him, Joseph wept. Very interesting because while Joseph's father was alive, Joseph already forgave them, brought them in, reconciled, Dad blessed all the kids. They've already gone through this. So that leads me to think, this is my opinion, not in the text, they lied. Dad didn't write this letter. Somebody got nervous and said, let's manipulate the feelings, let's exploit the grief, and let's just give Joseph, and that's why he cries. It's like, I've already been through this. I've already forgiven you. What more do you need? I'm not holding a grudge. You know why? You should write this down. You cannot hold a grudge and express compassion at the same time. Just can't. You can't hold on to the pain that they have done to you. You'd be right to do it. You could be justified. This isn't a question about rightness. It's not a question about should you. Joseph was, I could, but should I? Holding on to a grudge and expressing or extending compassion cannot happen at the same time to that person. Just can't. So look at the relational uh, connection that they have in this moment, how they're going to relate to each other. It says his brothers came and threw themselves down before him. And look what they say. We are your slaves, they said. Whoa. That's a different way of relating. Slave to master is not the same thing as brother to brother. Do you know the words of Jesus? He says, I no longer call you servants. I call you my friends. He says, you were a slave to sin, but now you are a child of God. But when we're plagued by hurt and pain, it's really hard to operate out of that position of, I'm a child of God. My sins have been taken care of by the work of Jesus. I've been made new. This is who I am. And they go back to old patterns and an old way of relating. We'll just be your slave. It's the safest way. We'll do whatever you want. Joe, I'll get you dinner for a year. Laundry service on me. I will somehow, you know, we call that penance. I'll make amends for my sins. The gospel tells you and I that we are way more sinful than we would ever believe about ourselves. We wouldn't admit it. And yet we are way more loved than God than we can hope for. It's both. You cannot take away your sins. Only Jesus can do that. He is your savior. And so these brothers now making this declaration, call us your servants. And Joe is about to say three things. Everyone say three things. Three things that will lead us to know how we might show compassion to those who hurt us the most. Here's the first thing he says. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? The first words out of Joe's mouth as they are Dad said, don't hurt us and forgive us. And we'll be your servants. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Am I in the place of God? What does he mean by that? Why would he start there? Well, Joseph has authority in Egypt. We read about that. Pharaoh was seen as a God. We talked about that last week. Joseph, by all rights to the name, could have played the little G God card. But he goes, am I in God's place? Do you know why? <laughs> because Joseph knows he's not. That's why he says it. He's reminding himself and his brothers of who he is, who they are, and who God is. And only God gets to bring judgment. And only God gets to bring justice. 
and he doesn't need your help. Here, here's a verse from Romans. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And all the hurt people said a good amen right there. They said, you're gonna get yours one day. Don't you worry, you're gonna burn. God's judgment is coming. You just wait. And the problem is, if that's your worldview, you forgot to read the next verse. So may I remind you of the next verse before you put that one on a t-shirt. Make sure you include this one. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Oh, you mean like old food, right? Spoiled food. Like the stuff I find at my grandma's house. You know when you go to grandma's house, check the salad dressing date first. Pro tip. She scoop off the green stuff off the mayo and go, the rest is fine. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Like poison? What are we talking about, Jesus? No, no, no. A good drink. And when you do this, man, it's, it's gonna be like burning coals on his head. They won't understand it. That's what that means. But this doesn't make sense. So Joseph knows what you and I need to know today. We're not God. God's God. He's got this. So if you are to show compassion to the one who has hurt you, who has betrayed you, abused you, neglected you, the very first thing you need to remember is you are not in God's place. So write this down. I got props today. I'm excited about this. Here's the first point. Stay out of God's seat. Stay out of his seat. Now I know who I'm talking to. I'm talking to a bunch of church people. So you know what it's like when someone is in your church chair and you come in and go, that's my row. That's my seat. Excuse me, brother. I don't know what your name, but kindly move over. No one does that at Blaze Church. I'm glad for that. We mix things up. In fact, I, I encourage you, sit somewhere you never sat before. See the room from a different perspective. It's actually really fun. Meet some new people. But you know what it's like when someone's in your seat. It's annoying. Get out of my seat. Get out. I just, I hear the father saying, could you get out of my seat? Could, could you let me be God in this? I know they hurt you. I'm aware. That wasn't a surprise. Stay out of my seat. Let me do the work that I'm gonna do in their life and the work I'm gonna do in yours. Stay out of my seat. Principle number one, if you wanna be a compassionate person, this is just an invitation. You do not have to be. Hold the grudge. Extend compassion. Number two, Joseph says this. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So when, when we experience evil in this world, when we are hurt, when, when people harm us, they lie to us, betray us, oftentimes there are two worldviews that we can take on. It's the half full, half empty glass. So the half empty would be that pessimistic worldview. When you're wronged, if you're pessimistic, your initial thinking is, of course this happened, bad things always happen to me. And the world's filled with evil and it's going to hell in a handbasket and God's not good. And that, that might be your worldview. I'm not diminishing it. I'm just putting language around it. 
you're, you're pessimistic. And then the optimistic worldview is the one I personally find a little more annoying. And this is personally. Because the optimist just says, yeah, it's really not that bad. After all, I mean, I could have it much worse. And they try to paint the pretty picture, but watch what you do there. You're diminishing the hurt you're actually experiencing. And you're creating for yourself a safe, false reality because it's way harder to go deeper and peel back the layers on the pain. You say, yeah, well, my dad wasn't there for me, but at least he didn't. No, 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 let's talk about why he wasn't there for you. That's painful. Let's talk about that. Yeah, you know, I mean, I got laid off, but I mean, I'll find another. No, let's, let's stop there. That's horrible. Let's talk about that. Your father wants to hear about that. So Joseph doesn't lean in either direction. Joseph gives us a different way to view evil and suffering. First, he acknowledges it. He says, you intended this for harm. See, being a follower of Christ doesn't mean that we simply diminish all the hurts that we feel. We don't have good conversations with people who hurt us, seek out reconciliation, restitution, all of that. It means we say, can, can we talk? Because that hurt. I, I think you intended to hurt me. But here's the hope I have as a believer. God can still use it for good. It's, it's both ends. Here's how Paul writes in Romans, Romans 8, 28. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So we don't justify or excuse the evil, but we're also not overwhelmed by it. The, the Christian worldview, and Joseph makes this declaration, he didn't have the cross yet. You and I have the cross. What is the cross? It is the most heinous act of evil, and it is God's redeeming work at the same time. It is evil on display. The Son of God abused, neglected, rejected, lied about, all of it. And God says, through that, I will bring the saving of many lives. So here's the invitation you and I have. We don't have to view our situations as optimists or pessimists. We get a new option. Let's see what's under here. We get to put on God's glasses. We get to walk around and we get to say, man, that person, they did me dirty. They jacked me up. That hurt. And at the same time, God had a plan. I'm just trying to invite you into something today that maybe you don't have to see the hurt and the pain that you've gone through through, it was, it can never be redeemed or it wasn't that bad. No, no, acknowledge the hurt and turn to the Father. Yes, so here it is, put on God's glasses. You wanna be a person that can extend compassion, stay out of his seat and put on his glasses. And here's the third thing. And I believe the, the hardest thing, if not for one and two, in fact, without one and two, you'll, you'll never get to three. It's just, you just won't. Here's what he says. So then don't be afraid I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph is in a place where he doesn't just say, you know what, I forgive you, but I never want to see you again. I've moved on, stay out of my life. Somehow he gets to a place where he says, I'll be your provider. And he's going to provide physically the grain 
Emotionally, the forgiveness, the compassion, and spiritually, he's pointing them to God. What could move us to be providers for those who have hurt us? It is only one thing. Don't miss this. Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Say it with me. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Can we thank God for his forgiveness right now? He's forgiven you. So you've heard this before. Hurt people, what do they do? And forgiven people forgive people. Do you know what will move you to be someone who provides for the one who has hurt you? It is only the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is only coming back to the gospel that says you were dead in your sins. You were an enemy of God, but thanks be to God, the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And on the days where it's hard to extend compassion, you come back to the gospel that saved you. You come back to the forgiveness that is found in the cross. So here's why we need one and two. Staying out of God's seat, that makes us humble. You need humility if you're gonna live this way. You need to remember who you are, who the abuser is, and who God is. You gotta stay humble. Number two, you gotta put on God's glasses. You know why? That'll give you confidence. Come on, how many know if you walked around like this, you have a little more confidence in your step. Just a little, I don't care what you say. I don't care who you think I am. I got confidence. I see God's world the way God sees it. Amazon or Target, you can find them anywhere. You have humility, you have confidence. You're ready to do this third thing. So we're just trying to extend compassion. And it's simply this going to provide God's love. We're going to provide God's love in this world. Notice, and this is kind of just leaning into culture. Culture has taken a word that God created and they're redefining it. They've taken the word love and they've, they've made it something it's not. Love is not condoning all lifestyles. It's tolerance. It's totally different. And I don't want to just be someone that tolerates somebody. How loving is that? Tolerate you? I want to love you, which means there's going to be moments where we're going to have good conversation. You intended this. You hurt me with that, but I, I want to provide God's love. I can because I'm not in his seat and I'm wearing his glasses and I can show up and I can say, I want to provide God's love. Do you know what God's love, his definition is? First Corinthians chapter 13, five. Love, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. And watch this. It keeps no record of wrongs. Do you know that compassionate people are so bad at scorekeeping? It should be your weakness if you're a compassionate person. You should be the worst scorekeeper you know. It keeps no record of wrongs. Now, again, so I want you to just lean in because I know what the enemy would want to do this morning. He would want you to discredit this entire thing and say, no, no, that guy up there with the stupid glasses and his dumb chair, he don't know nothing. He don't know how hurt you are. You, you, you don't worry about that. He's being insensitive. He's not thinking this through. You were hurt. You stay angry at that person. They deserve your judgment. No, 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 no. And today is a process. 
And tomorrow, if you get to see tomorrow, you know what's waiting for you tomorrow? New morning mercies. For you to wake up and say, God, I am so struggling with getting out of your chair. Would you help me today? <laughs> oh my goodness, this person, they just deserve judgment. And I think I could do a pretty good job bringing it. <laughs> to be honest, I think you need my help. I got this. <laughs> Stay out of your seat. God, I'm really struggling to look at them the way you call me to look at them. It just feels so wrong. And I'm trying to just be positive. This ain't about positivity. Different church. You want, you want positivity? It's not Blaze Church. Gospel-centered. This was horrible. And God has a plan. Gospel-centered. Just ask the Holy Spirit. Just ask the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, I need you to do a work. I mean, no matter what happens in your life, even if it feels like the lights go out, even if it feels like we trip the breaker, we're giving them cues. God's in charge. God's got a good plan. Let me remind you of who you are for a minute. And this isn't offensive. It's scripture. Psalms 103, 13. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Isn't that so good that the Lord is tender and compassionate? Don't miss this. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. You want to be humbled? You're dust. You're dust that gets 80 years, maybe 90 at best. And I just, I just think the Father doesn't want us running around little angry pieces of dust, little dust holding grudges against God, against this world, against others. I mean, let's be some happy dust. Let, let, let's, let's say, I want to give God my very best. I want to provide his love because we have a vision at Blaze Church. You know this. We want the East End of Long Island to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose and make a difference. We exist to blaze the trail for lost people to meet Jesus. And we are well on our way to seeing more lost people know God on this island. And when that landmark building is here, oh, you better believe people are gonna know God in an even greater way. We wanna resource other churches. We wanna work in unity, hand in hand, providing God's love with our brothers and sisters on this island. An angry dust? God just can't use you there. So, surrender. Surrender. Start today. I know you've been hurt. I'm so sorry for that. I'm so sorry you had to endure such heartache and such pain and such loss and betrayal and death. Some of you, you're facing situations even tomorrow that you're saying, but why is this happening? And I don't know. But I know that God, he's saying, I'm still in the seat and I've got a way for you to look at this. Provide my love. Thank you, Blaze Church, because I know I don't have to do it on my own. I'm glad I'm in a small group starting up in October, gonna be plugging in with people going to be worshiping Jesus together on the dream team, making a difference with each one of you. Don't go it alone. Now, I, I want to say this, and then we're going to close. If you don't know Jesus today, the past 30 minutes must have sounded crazy, and I acknowledge that. Because without Jesus, this is just impossible. 
If it sounds like, man, I could never do that. My question to you is, do you know God? Have you surrendered to Jesus? Because apart from him, that's, it's just impossible. Powered by his Holy Spirit, nothing is impossible. So here it is. This is why every week we have a moment in our service because we believe every week there's somebody here who has yet to call on the name of the Lord to be saved. Romans says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead, you will be saved. And right now, there's something going on inside of you. You're saying, I wanna know this Jesus. I want my sins forgiven. I wanna experience the compassion of the Father. Well, hey, in a moment, we're gonna pray as a church. And we pray as a church to not leave you on your own in this moment. And the power's not in the prayer, the power's in the person. His name is Jesus. And so we're gonna call on his name as a collective, but maybe for you, today is the day of salvation. You didn't know, but July 30th, 2023 was gonna be your new birthday. You're gonna be born again, made new. And you're gonna have a church family that wants to walk with you through this. So we're gonna pray. And if you wanna know Jesus today, we invite you to pray with us. Maybe as a sign of surrender, you raise your hand in this moment and say, God, here I am, forgive me, make me new. And then we're gonna celebrate because all of heaven does. And before you walk through that door, listen to me, gotta stop in the back so we can give you that Bible and that little booklet. Start following God. We wanna connect with you. You're not made to do this on your own. Church, let's pray together. Would you bow your heads with me? And if you wanna know Christ today for the first time, why don't you lift your hand as a sign of surrender as we say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died and rose again so I could be forgiven. Thank you for new life. Today, I surrender mine. Thank you for making me new. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Blaze Church, come on, celebrate with all of heaven right now as people are putting their faith in Jesus, going from lost to found. Hear me, don't leave without getting one of those books. You wanna put that in your hand? Would you stand with me now? I wanna pray for every single person here that these principles would be alive in our hearts and then we're gonna sing out to our King as we go. Open your hands before God if you'd like. Father, here we are saying we can't do this on our own. I pray that we would be a church filled with people who know how to stay out of your seat, trusting in you, the one who's got the best plan. I pray that we would be a church filled with people who put on your glasses, who know how to look at this life, the horrible things we experience, the, the tragedies, the hurts, the pains in a way that says, man, that was, that was a evil, that was wrong, that was awful. And God is in control. And may we be moved by that humility and confidence to provide your love to every person. May we show this world your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we clap for King Jesus this morning?